Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 100, 60, or 30 times what was sown. The application of that is this. These people are excited. They're not perfect. They're the ones who could be trusted with spiritual truths, and pretty soon the kingdom of God would enlarge because they did these things. They heard the word, and they were teachable enough to go, okay, I need to change. See, if you get to a place in your life, if I get to a place in my life where I'm not any longer teachable, you might as well just give up life. Every Christ follower wants to hear from God at the final judgment. Well done, good and faithful servant. While you're on your way to that final destination, you've seen fellow believers come and go. Some kind of faded away while others blew up spectacularly, going out in a blaze of glory. Pastor Mark will be teaching that the Christian lifestyle is much closer to a marathon than a sprint. You'll learn how to get your mind right so that God can be using you while at the same time change you, your thinking, and behavior to more closely look like that of Jesus, your ultimate example. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 as he continues his message, God's ways and thoughts are best for us. The thief comes, what? Only to steal, kill, destroy. That's exactly what Paul knew. He says, if they are not encouraged, they're going to walk out, and everything we did to get there and establish that church, it's gone. He knew Satan would love to sidetrack young believers. He's thinking, what are they thinking? Are you thinking to walk away? And he's concerned that they would walk away from God. Now, that's a great thing. Look at this next statement. Good pastors have continued concern for the people they are teaching. See, you're not just a head out there. You're just not a name, a face. You're a person that God has given me a challenge to make sure that you're growing and maturing with all the other people on staff that help us do that. See, but if you look back at your own history, I've been ministering in different ways for 50 years. And I remember back in my dad's church, and I, and I remember when we started the church in Merritt Island, then Malcolm came, and I would just teach on the weekends from time to time when he's on vacation. Melinda and I had a married class, about 100, 150 people. And we'd go from one year and then take a break in the summer, and then we'd start up in the fall again. And I, I never forget it. When people come back in the fall, these, some of these people that were in, we broke into small groups and studied. And I go, where's who and what's happened to who? And where's a, oh, they got a divorce. 
Uh, no, they had, both of them had a fear. They've left. Their marriage is over. Uh, they're separated. They're this and that and the other. These are people sat around, studied the word of God with me in the service. I go, what in the world happened? Well, this is what Paul's worried about. I want you to stop for a moment and think. Look around at your friends. Look at the people that you knew in church or where you were before or whatever. Maybe your children. Think how many people have gone A-W-O-L. Used to sit with us. Used to worship with us. Used to be on the stage with us. How many pastors have we seen recently? Oh, Lord, help us. Who were very popular. Now, the second one in Chicago, the whole board's resigning. What about the influence? Who wins there? Satan. And some of those people, hurt, will never go back to church again. See, he's very smart. It could happen to me. I teach all the pastors to me. We're no better than anybody else. Don't look at me. It could happen to you too. But we can pray for people. I want you, some, see, we can't only focus on the unbelievers. If we got all the people that used to serve God back to church, wow! So start praying. Include that in your prayer. People that used to walk with God, and you'll see later, they're gone. They've simply walked away from God. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew 13. When Jesus got Paul alone in the deserts of Arabia, he taught him for three years. See, Paul wasn't one of the disciples. He came to Christ later. But I'm pretty sure he learned this parable. It's called the parable of the sower. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's actually the parable of the hearer. So if you'll turn there, let me show you what that looks like. This is from Jesus telling us what can happen in a church or in a group of people or actually in your heart or my heart. So verse 18, Matthew 13, verse 18. Jesus says it like this. Then listen to what the parable of the sower means. Now, when Jesus would do a parable, he would do things that could apply to people. They could see it happening. And he's talking about a person in those days that would cast seed. They didn't have machines to do it. They would have a bag of seed and they'd cast it to different soils and whatever. Make sure it gets watered if they can and those kind of things. And its purpose was to grow something. That's the way they did it in the old days. They didn't even have tractors and all those things. They just cast it on the soil. So the sower in this parable is actually Jesus. He's casting the word. Today, I'm the sower. I'm casting you the word. By the way, the seed is the word of God. It's alive. It's not a dead. You wouldn't have a dead seed and put it in the ground. The Bible is alive. And specifically, the seed in this parable is the gospel. The gospel. When the gospel is presented, how do people receive it? What's the soil like? So anyone that shares the gospel is kind of the sower. The seed, as I said, is the word of God and the gospel. Now, what are the soils? We have four soils. How many? Four soils. They're different. It's not dirt. It's the person's heart. It's the human heart. The heart is the center of where we make all our decisions. It's our control center. Now, I want you to understand, there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's the Bible. There's nothing wrong with the sower because the sower is teaching 
the word. Or when you share the gospel with a person that's lost, nothing wrong with you, you're not perfect, but you're sharing it as a principle with God. Now, the planting of the seed, the word of God, in the hearts of people is meant to produce one thing, fruit, to be fruitful with your gift. A person doesn't plant uh, seed in the ground and go, well, we'll never get anything out of that. Just plant it there and see what happens. No, the purpose is to have corn on the cob or whatever. You have something taking place. Now, Jesus is using this, and here's what I want you to write. Because we're going to see some shocking things if you've never gone through this parable before. Here it is. True conversion, person really coming to Christ, moves from the convert onto discipleship. True conversion and fruitfulness depend on how a person responds to the word of God. Now, it's not your head, it's our hearts. So we're going to show you four different kind of hearts that people had. Here's the first one, Matthew 13, 19. This person has a hard heart. It'd be like throwing seed on a cement path or asphalt path. Is it going to go in the ground? No. It's just going to get rejected. So here it is. When anyone, notice, hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, watch what happens. The evil one, Satan, comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Now, notice, Satan hates one thing more than anything else, the word of God. So when that's presented and this person has a hard heart, what does Satan do? He comes, takes the seed away. We take the seed away, there's not going to be any fruit. It's not going to happen. So the application here is a hard heart doesn't allow the word of God to penetrate its surface. These individuals, somehow they find it or they hear the gospel or they come to church. Somehow they're there, but they're really unteachable. You might be here today, but God can change that in an instant. And you're here and it kind of like it falls on deaf ears. You're sitting there, but it just goes blind right over your head. And that's the enemy. Getting you sidetracked, looking at your iPhone, thinking about what you're going to do after the service. I show, I forgot to turn that on, do this thing. And pretty soon service over and you go home, that was it. It's over. See, but realistically, this person with a hard heart, they didn't want to believe in the first place. They're just there to go through the motions. Do you realize how many people come to church in our world and just are going through the motions? They don't bring a Bible. Half the churches don't even teach the Bible anymore. So they leave the same way they did. That's what we're talking about. They remain unrepentant. They don't believe they're not saved because it never touched their heart at all. Number two, interesting one, a superficial heart. Look at verse 20. Now, the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is a man or woman who hears the word and watch this and at once receives it with joy. Wow, they're excited. They're filled with joy. But since he or she has no root, he lasts, she lasts only a short time. Now, why would that be? Why would they be so excited, so impressed, but all of a sudden, they walk away? Well, look at what it says. When trouble or persecution comes, 
because of the word, the Bible, he or she quickly falls away. Pay attention. What was Paul worried about with the new believers? That because of persecution and trouble, they do what? See ya. Not interested at all. See ya. Excited at the first part? Absolutely. But notice what the persecution was about. The word of God. You tell people, I love Jesus. All the words true. What an idiot you are. See, that's where the persecution comes from. Satan hates people that love Jesus. And he really hates people that love the word of God. And so this is exactly why I put this here. Because I think certainly when Paul heard that, he's thinking back in his mind. Jesus told me this parable. These are these guys. Man, we got to see to these people. Salvation is an event. It's not a lifestyle at all. They're temporarily excited with joy. We see them. They're impressed. Their lives are changing. There's a little bit of growth evident. You see them at the services. And then pretty soon, you don't see them anymore. They're nowhere around. As soon as Satan brings the heat in the form of a trial or persecution, they realize that serving Jesus is going to cost them. That shouldn't surprise you. You know I say this for many years. If you become a Christian and really head on to discipleship, it's going to cost you. Going to cost you. But it'll cost you more not to follow Jesus. Satan will never say that to you. It costs us. What did Jesus say? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Hello. It's going to cost us. We're going to get persecution. We're going to have people laughing at us. We're going to, just like the world is. But it's worth it following Jesus. So this is what happened. Think about what's happening in our churches today. I remember when I was a kid, I was raised on a church piano bench. My mom was playing the piano since a baby. And then as I went through, I've watched it in my dad's church. And I've watched it in so many churches all these years that I've been a part of. You see people come. And all of a sudden, they just leave. They're gone. And their response is really superficial. There's never any commitment to follow Jesus Christ. So pray for these people. That's why you see people today that used to be here. It's not just about our campus. It's all over the world. And somehow they just, when persecution comes, they think something's wrong, and they just walk away. Let me encourage you this morning. The battle is the Lord's. Relax. We're going to be okay. We're building your faith together. Third one, I think to me, the third one is the most common one of all. It's called the divided heart. Now, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is a man who hears the word. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Every single person, all four soils, they hear the word. They're not sitting outside having a hot dog In a baseball field, they hear the word. So notice, it's what they do with the word in their heart. So again, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is a man who hears the word. But the worries of this life, the desire for other things, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfair fruitful. These believers receive Jesus in their hearts. They seem to be very receptive to the gospel. 
They make a great start. You can kind of see them. They're at services. They're maybe in a small group. They're just moving along. Things are really good. You're excited about them if you know them. They're friends or whatever. We see them. But pretty soon Satan tempts them, not with drugs and alcohol and sex and illegal stuff. He doesn't tempt them with that. He simply tempts them with what we just read, the desires for other things. There's another priority, the deceitfulness of wealth, the worries of this life. And pretty soon, their priorities are not God anymore. It's all kinds of other stuff. And what happens is their lives are choked out by the simple busyness of life. Now, there's nobody I'm speaking to go, Pastor Mark, I'm never busy in life. Are you kidding me? Think what I did over the last few weeks. I had to work on five, not had to, but I get to, five sermons for India. That takes a lot of hours. But see, when you do all that, that's the busyness of life. We all have it. You just have to make sure Christ is first. You can't be you first or the kids' soccer game be first. I'm not taking them out of sports, but we have to be careful. Oh, that money, I'm going to have to work three times as long, and pretty soon your marriage is gone. See, that's Satan. You don't see it from the start, but God knows. So the result, Jesus emphasized that this person, there's no fruit. There's zero fruit. Now, what do you do with that? Most commentators believe that this person, who's not in sin, God isn't first. Remember what Jesus said in John 15. I want you to be fruitful, more fruit, much fruit. But there's no fruit with this person. So most commentators believe, I'm probably in this group, that these people never really were saved. Because, listen, if there's no fruit, that means there's no root. Jesus said in John 15, if you're attached to the vine, there'll be fruit. So there's no fruit. Now, it could be that they are, and Paul would talk about them. I can't debate that. I'm not going to debate it. But the worst case would be to me, which I think is true. They're not really believers. But think about the other. If that's believer, Jesus, when he gave a parable, he gave a parable of somebody that had five talents, somebody that had two talents, and somebody had that one talent. And he said to the guy with five, what'd you do with it? He said, I got another five. And Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. He said to the guy with two, how did you do? I duplicated it. I have another two. And Jesus didn't say, You don't have five? No, you duplicated. He did what he had with what he had. We all have different gifts. And then the guy with the one. Jesus said, how you doing? He said, well, I was afraid of you, so I buried it. You know what Jesus said to him? No, there was no fruit, zero. You know what he said to him? Depart from me. That's why I believe this individual, these individuals, there's no fruit. Because there's no root. There's no real relationship with God. Here's the last one. This is the one Jesus is after. Look at four. A productive heart. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 100, 60, or 30 times what was sown. The application of that is this. These people are excited. They're not perfect. They're the ones who could be trusted with spiritual truths. And pretty soon the kingdom of God would enlarge because they did these things. They heard the word. And they were teachable enough to go, okay, I need to change. See, if you get to a place in your life, if I get to a place in my life where I'm not any longer teachable, you might as well just give up life because life is dead for you. We have to change. 
They accepted the word, they believed it, and they put it into practice in their lives. They just say, nice sermon, Pastor Mark. No, they put it in their life. They were doers of the word, not just hearers. Now, here's the thing that's a shock to all of us. Out of these four soils, these four groups of people, how many were really born again? One. One. Out of the four, only one were really born again and have a personal relationship with God. The other three never really had it. God didn't make a difference in their life was his word. It's because they heard it, but there was no fruit produced. So think about that. That's discouraging, isn't it? That means when I teach, when anybody teaches, we're not going to use that as a standard for everything. But think of that. Three out of four people, they don't follow through. So Pastor Mark, really only 25% of people will get to heaven? No, there'll be more than that, because we're going to pray for the people that started but didn't finish well. Can God change them? Absolutely. I want you to start praying that way. I'm serious. Some of us have children. Some of us have youth. Some of us have relatives. Some have husbands, divorced, all that kind of stuff, done with them, finished. Don't don't be finished. Nothing's impossible with God. So understand, God can do it. The word is still alive. I'm and other pastors, we're still teaching the word, man. Come on. Get your heart ready. Don't be discouraged. In the end, we win. But we have to understand we are in spiritual warfare. So you, what is your heart? Where are you? Prayerfully, you have a heart that's receptive to God. Now, some of you are not yet a believer. You probably never heard this verse. Let me give you hope. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can and will be saved. Here's another group of you. You're here, but you've walked away. You have been one of those persons that just, A-W-O-L, you just walked away from God. And the enemy is saying to you, Man, I wish I had a stick with it, but it's too late now. I I blew it. God won't forgive me. That is not God talking to you. That's Satan. He's a liar. Anybody glad that God gave you a second chance? Could I see a few hands? Hmm. All right, let me reverse that. How about a thousand times to restart again? Yeah. So you're among friends. If God doesn't give second chances, we're done. We're finished. See, his grace is greater than your sin. He's a God that loves us. So you need to make a recommitment. Some of you say, well, if I do that, is there any hope for anything in my life if I start over with all that mess that I got into or anything? Well, let me show you what God's promise is. You know this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's our God. You can leave here for the first time being a Christian or somebody went AWL, and you can come on right back to God and start again because of the grace of God. Today, Pastor Mark reminded you that you're engaged in spiritual warfare and that you have an enemy who intends to make you lose your faith. His only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy whatever of yours that he can. Pastor Mark told you again that God is greater than the devil 
and that God through Jesus has already won the war, but that you have to keep fighting and winning the daily battles. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This closes out Pastor Mark's message, God's ways and thoughts are best for us. Next time, he'll begin a new message called Growing Faith is God's Plan for Every Christ Follower. Pastor Mark will talk about faith as a concept, what it does and how it works in your life. You'll be reminded through Scripture that God's plans for you are good and beneficial. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.